It's embarrassing. It's a disgrace. That's what it is, a disgrace. That's how I feel. And that's how everybody feels in that room. to whatever the weather another arsenal podcast uh we join you following arsenal's unfortunate defeat to aston villa at the weekend um however i am fortunately joined we're joined by dan how are you you doing dan yeah not too bad how are you i'm good mate and by james how are you hello (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's one of them it's one of them no i'm good i'm good good to be back yeah Good to be back. It's good Shame to have it's not you back. in uh, winning circumstances, but you know. No, that's true. These things are sent to try us. They are indeed. They are indeed. Nobody said it would be easy. I did. Last part, I said, yeah, pretty confident. So mm. that's. <laughs> I it was going to be a piece of piss. <laughs> what are you going to do? I mean, yeah, it was, um, yeah, seven minutes in. Um, it started to not look so easy. James, how did you enjoy the game? Sneaky little John McGinn. I've always I said know. he's a good player, to be fair. He is. But, um, mm. yeah, there, I think that was uh, Aston Villa's one good move of the game. Yeah. Of course, if you if you followed mainstream media, of course, they, they've they played us off the pitch. You know, they're the greatest <laughs> teams since nice Oh, they're, they're title you know, contenders. Um, they're, you know, they're, basically, they're... they're basically Ajax of 1974, Barcelona yep. of 2011, mm-hmm. uh, Arsenal of 2004, Man United of 1999. You know, they Arsenal, are, you Arsenal know, made the biggest mistake um, ever getting rid of Unai Emery, and we were somehow really evil clearly. for doing that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, clearly. No, um, yes. Yeah, disappointing game when it I, I to be honest with you i didn't think we played that badly um it was one of those games probably not that dissimilar to the newcastle game where it was always going to be decided by a goal um unfortunately aston villa got that goal um and then it was a case of could we could we equalize um i thought we did enough in the game to get an equalizer um but we didn't create enough cutting edge chances i suppose um there was nothing really clear cut that you can look back on and say yeah, we had to score that. Obviously, Saka had a chance at the back post. Um, Odegaard had two. <laughs> Odegaard had one that he dragged wide. Um, Jesus had a bit of a miscontrol on the penalty spot. If he brings that down, because um, his touch is usually really, really sharp, I think you know he's pretty much one on one. Obviously, we had we had a goal that I felt uh, maybe there's a bit of bias in my voice, but I felt was was very harshly disallowed. But um, yeah. It was one of those games. I don't. I don't think we were that bad. I don't think. I tell you what. I. I. I, I would sum up my feelings, um, and we could probably wrap the podcast up nice and early by saying that I don't think we. I don't think we were. We um, necessarily deserve to lose, but I can also accept we probably weren't good enough to win. And on the day, I suppose what you're looking for, if if you know, we all hold hold the bar quite high with this Arsenal team, um, because we are challenging for the league title. Um, did we really do enough to, to win the game or get in back into it? Probably not. 
And that's that's probably the indictment, isn't it? We did, as I said, we didn't really have that many clear cut chances. It was a few half chances, and perhaps the the critical amongst us might say that we didn't do enough to get ourselves back mm. into that game. It was very frustrating, I would say. I think that's the overall. That's the well. That's that's uh, that's my ultimate takeaway from that. Dan, how did you? Uh, no. Yeah. I thought we. I thought that was probably our best away performance of the season, personally. Um, I thought we made a ton of mm. chances. We just didn't take them. You, you, we, we're not talking about Luton, right? I was going to say this is a very <laughs> interesting interesting four interesting goals away, man. Like we're talking we're about talking Aston about Aston Villa, yeah, yeah, but also also conceded so three, by the way. Um, yeah, but that wasn't that was just due to us missing mm. those chances. You say no clear cut chances. Mm. What game were you watching? We had about three or four. We did more than enough to come away with at least a point and probably should have won the game. Um, I thought we were really good. Um, after 10 minutes, Villa did absolutely nothing and we controlled and dominated that game. So, <clears throat> again, of course, the end result is always the most important. We lost. Simple as that. Disappointing, frustrating, but I think there's positives to take from it. And um, I have to say, yeah, these two responses from uh, from Dan and James here are the most rational responses I've heard from Arsenal fans following this game. <laughs> I really have to. <laughs> I mean, that may be just be to do with yeah. social media or the Twitter sphere and just the general. Let me let me jump yeah. in right there and just say that number one, the referee was diabolical. Without yeah, okay, absolutely. I don't think we've got a damn thing no. in that game. I don't think we've got no. a damn thing. Um, I just think, to, to kind of go back on my point, I think when you're aiming to be the champions, there's a certain standard that you kind of aim to get to. And I think we we had enough half chances to have scored, but a mark of a great side is taking those chances. And I'm not saying that we're not a great side, but we couldn't take those chances when it mattered. In a big, big game, um, we... I think flattered to deceive a little bit, but I will also say, like I said to begin with, I thought we played generally very well. I don't think that was a game that I can sit back and say we deserve to lose, much like the Newcastle game. I don't think we deserve to lose that either. Um, the thing that frustrates me is I think, and it, I know it was highlighted on Match Today and there's been a lot spoken about it, but Aston Villa plays such a high line. They leave you chances to get in behind. They've done this numerous times throughout the season. You know, we saw the game. They played a game at the Toilet Bowl where they came away with a 2-1 win against Spurs, where they could have been 5-0 down early on. And I think Aston Villa had enough, there was enough holes in their defence and midfield that we could have got through. And I think the times when we did try and get the ball out wide or, or break the lines, we looked really dangerous. I just don't understand why we didn't do it. Yeah, more. I, rem well, I remember you texted me during the during the game and, and saying, well, they have a, don't worry, Villa have a soft underbelly. I'm just like, yeah, I oh. really felt that. I was like, oh, that's a, thanks for that vote of confidence. I really, I, I really, I really felt, I really mm. felt, I, well, I, I really strongly believe, I think it would have, had we equalised, I think it would have gone quite similar to the game we played earlier on in the year, where I think they would have, we would have gone on and won the game. Mm. I think even if, even, you know, the goal, I'm sure we'll come to it, the goal that was really disallowed, in fact, do you know what, I'm going to just go straight into it. I think, you I know think, what, this is, this is the elephant in the pod yeah. this is the elephant I... in the podcast isn't it <laughs> is the uh is is the uh i'm going to say that the thing is people keep saying the Havertz goal but it the whole reason that it's not it's Eddie's goal it's isn't? Eddie's goal and people keep talking about it around the Havertz thing and i'm like well okay fine but he didn't 
finish it, did he? So yeah, com- yeah, completely baffling. I mean, I thought you know the ball comes in, the referee can't see, can he? He's made a complete guess of whether it's handball. I mean, to be fair, I mean that you can see because obviously the ball gets stuck somewhere in the midriff. He's assumed it's a handball. And the easiest thing to do is, well, it's a handball against the attacking team. Let's hope VAR clear it up. And obviously the way that the rules are at the moment, which is a complete joke, is that if the attacking player handballs it, then the, the goal doesn't stand. I I thought that from my perspective, watching it back, I thought Matty Cash handles the ball first. It does hit Kai Havertz's hand, clearly. But then Kai Havertz doesn't put the ball in the net. It, it drops down. And Eddie Kedzi scored. And even and the, comment, the commentary feed that I had even said, Oh, maybe this is going to be given as a it'll either be a penalty to Arsenal because of Matty Cash handball or an Arsenal goal. And I couldn't understand how we come to the decision of, you know, we go back to the on-field decision and it's no goal. I, I just thought that was ridiculous. But but had that goal gone in, I really think had that goal gone in with with what five, six minutes of normal time to go, and then probably the six additional minutes, I would have backed us to gone on and got the winner 100 percent And it would be Kai who got it. Probably, probably at the back post because I think we were. Yeah, we, exactly. We, it, That's, we, yeah. It, it, I mean, I was look. I was really disappointed when we took off Martinelli because I thought if anyone was going to break that high line, it was him. And I thought he looked like our most dangerous player on the pitch. Um, and and he came off and and Saka stayed on. And I thought Saka looked tired, but then Saka he always has that ability to dig out that cross to the far post. And a few times he did it. I think once or twice, it looked like that was a tactic we we could have we could have. Um, benefited from and I think you know that that's what obviously led to that chance and I think I certainly think that had um had had that had that goal been allowed I think we would have gone and won the game but that's just it's all hindsight and conjecture isn't it but yeah was, it was um it was the most taste, the most it? frustrating thing was the fact that they played such a high line and if you wanted a team to set up a certain way to play against you especially Arsenal with Martinelli with Saka with Jesus You'd want them to play a high line because you'd be expecting to be able to break that, break those lines with uh, Zinchenko or something like that. Um, and they just didn't time their runs properly, which was really frustrating. Um, you thought Martinelli was on, but yeah, I just feel like Havertz's movement was really good. He can time his runs from midfield, and he was doing it quite well. And there was a couple of times he got in. There was one for the Jesus penalty, which I thought should have been a penalty. Um, clear as day penalty for me, um, considering today's standards. Um, but it was Havertz breaking from midfield and breaking those lines is where we had some joy. But Saka and Martinelli just couldn't time their runs and kept on getting caught offside, which was the most frustrating thing. Um, you know, we had moments in that game and as I said, Odegaard had two clear chances where he took maybe one or two many touches in the box and tried to place it in the bottom corner and Martinez guessed right. That should have been a goal for me. And then in the second half, similar position. Odegaard's been scoring those since the start of last season. Edge of the box comes across, usually finds the bottom corner. Twice he didn't do it. Um, it was just a really frustrating day. But the performances as a whole, like the performance as a whole, I'm quite positive about it. I don't come away with that thinking, oh, no, we've really fucked it now. It's an unfortunate result, but I feel like it's not that big a deal. We're only one point off top. I think, can I know? just can I just say, I would 
to come in there a bit, I mean, to Dan's point, I mean, with the Odegaard thing, I mean, I have to say, the first chance when he, he cuts inside know, and, and takes the touch, it, it, it's a good save by Martinez, but I was expecting the net to ripple. Like, it was just, it was like, goal. And he, he saved it. And to be fair to Martinez, he did actually come out after the game. And look, I know there's a lot of, some Arsenal fans don't necessarily like him. I mean, I look, I like the guy. Yeah. I don't think we should have sold him. Yeah. I think had we not sold him, he'd probably be our number one. Oh but my the, god! Literally, bit... all four um, people I was watching the game with were like, "We shouldn't have sold him." Yeah. I know, I, mean, I know, but, I know. But, but, no, but and look, I was we... actually the thing. I was quite shocked by that because I, it. I just really know, like. I just in this really whole get... kind of Raya kind I'll of thing, it. I'd not over. considered that. Oh, maybe if we'd not sold him, then this wouldn't be an issue. But, I mean, I suppose the big thing with, you know, with me for Martin is, I suppose, in hindsight, why I don't l- sit back and think, oh, no, the one that got away is because no one really project- predicted that his career would go this way. I mean, he mm. had li- he literally came into the Arsenal team, had 10 or 12 great games. Yeah. We sold him for an inflated fee, considering mm. we probably would have, you know, six months before that, we'd have taken five million from him and been well chuffed. So we got 30 oh, million or near yeah, 30 million yeah. about after 12 great games. Look, mm. fair play to him. He's gone on and had yeah, yeah. Oh, amazing dude, dude, couple he's of basi- years. He's basically um, like a musician who becomes famous when they're 40. Like, it doesn't yeah, happen. Yeah, you know, it's exactly, like that. Yeah. It's that kind of... <laughs> um, you know, it's that, ki- it's that kind of thing. Um, but no, I was going to just say that he, he in the interview, in the post-match interview, he was, he was quite like, look, he said about Aston Villa, look, you know what, we played really well against Man City and, you know, we we dominated Man City like probably no one else has done this season and you know fair play I think he's I make him right with that and then he said look against Arsenal you know we after ten minutes we stuck in there you know we had to really dig in and I think that's a fair assessment I think Arsenal had the majority of the game and that goes back to Dan's point it's interesting yeah he used the word suffer he did yeah 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 yeah. He used the word suffer. He used the word suffer for 85 minutes. And that's what it was, man. And you know, dominated I think that game. You're, you're, you're thinking about the you penalty. Know, I mean, again, it's just unfortunate for me, the result, but we did, I okay. think we did more than enough. Controversially, I actually don't think point, it was a penalty in the sense that I think in the normal world where football is properly, properly run and administered, where handball is a proper handball, like a, an intentional handball, and the game isn't run by crooks from the Middle East. Um, wow, I, you know, yeah, this utopian we, world where there's no <laughs> VAR and everything's perfect and wonderful. I think, do you know what? Sometimes you can make, a, and I think where you know you can make a foul on a player, and it's not James automatically is a yellow card. setting out his stall here when it comes to VAR. Yeah, and I think, do you know what? Um, if in an, in a normal in a normal world, I'd say, do you know what? It's a coming together in the box. There was no clear intention to make a foul. The guy's his intention is to play the ball. He misses it. He catches the man. I don't, I don't, for me, I can live with that not being a penalty, but, and this is the big but, in a VAR world, in a VAR world, there is no way on God's green earth that that is not a penalty. We saw one earlier in the Palace game. Yeah. I mean, VAR is a shambles, right? I mean, guys, we, I think, guys, guys, it's embarrassing. (laughs) It's embarrassing. It's a disgrace. Like, we've got, I think, I think we really need to talk this through a little bit about the VAR interventions because, Obviously, we mentioned the um, the goal that, that wasn't the disallowed goal and the, mm. this penalty decision. Yeah. There was an elbow 
as well in the game, which that was, was actually something only that I, was I mean, what the fuck yeah. have we got to do here? That is ridiculous. I mean, this is, I mean, is this payback because Mikel has called out these jabronis for being exactly what they yeah. are? I mean, what the hell is going on here? I know. Oh, because, that was Diego Carlos. That was Diego Carlos. In 2023, with VAR, there is no way that is not a penalty. Despite what James may think in his utopian world that doesn't exist. Right, right, right. In 2023, it's a penalty, right? We agree with this, guys. Sure, sure. Well, equally so, as you said about the the uh, Diego Carlos uh, mm. foul on in well, it wasn't a foul. That was like gross, was mis- gross misconduct. Um, Much like Bruno Guimaraes's forearm smash in the Newcastle. One hundred percent. Like um, the fact that the referee, you know what? The fact the referee didn't see it is completely kind of relevant. Well, that's, that's what the, the surely for. that's the entire point of VAR. Yeah, like. It happened in the middle of the field and uh, off the ball and the the ref didn't see it. So then if what's the point of VAR if nothing is given for that? The guy was already on a yellow, you know, and that's, you know, this is... As I much didn't realise he was already on a yellow. He that was already on a yellow. more shocking. Exactly. And the, as much as that frustrates me and as much as I sort of want to go down the conspiracy sort of, you know... Let's do it. And I and I don't Let's do want it. To. I'm gonna put my Tim Paul hat on. I don't want to. Um you know, uh you know, I heard it mentioned earlier on today that it's fine to say that there's a bias, everyone has a bias, okay? The idea of saying that as a conspiracy is a bit different. However, this what is his name? Jared Gillett, right? The guy who refereed that game. Why is that guy allowed to be a ref? He's a Liverpool fan. I mean, look, referees can support football teams. I'm not gonna. I, no, no, no. I actually completely but... disagree with you. Referees should not be allowed to support football teams. Referees should have literally zero interest in the sport of football. All so referees... how do you get them to be a referee then? Because not being funny, if you think about it, if you're a non-football fan, why would you? For I mean, I don't know how much referees get paid these because days. you're I mean, just I'm, there I'm to I'm the game. Hang on, I'm assuming it's it's fairly well paid, but I'm not saying it's amazingly well paid. Why would you want to put yourself in a position where you've got 30, 40, 50,000 people every week calling you a wanker? You know, why would you why would you want to put yourself through that? Like who, who in their right mind would want to be a referee? Why change the habit of a lifetime, James? I mean that's Yeah, but who would want to be a referee? I don't understand anyone who would want to be a referee. No, so I, I think, think that I, I think, think you're that, being a little listen, bit I think my point here is that it wouldn't be it wouldn't be <laughs> that kind of job if the You think it'd the... be like being a policeman? Someone's yes. got to do it. So someone No, will. it's just no, it should just be entirely bureaucratic. <laughs> you know, the, you should only be allowed to to be um okay. I'm not being entirely serious about this, but I'm no, I guess I kind of think that this is kind of the way we should think about going. Okay, if you're so, bit if if you if you want to be a referee, okay, one you should have very little interest in football, at least in terms of like allegiances, and secondly, you should probably be like a netball coach. Like I, um, I personally couldn't them away. disagree with you Lock anymore. Them away in a dark room. <laughs> um, I think there is nothing wrong. I actually think referees should like football and should be into it and should be transparent. But I think what should happen is they should be held to account over their decisions a lot more. Um, okay. I think you and I are going to have to agree to what, this, what I, this what because I, disagree, I don't. I disagree. What I don't like, and look, we're going on a bit of a tangent here, and you know what? That's what this podcast is going to be famous for. I think, but 
Roy Hodgson made a couple of, of, of amazing statements after the, the Liverpool Palace game. Um, and it's true. Who's refereeing the game? Is it the referee or is it the VAR? Yeah, well, because exactly. to me, That's in that true. situation, the referee didn't see that elbow. So I'm not going to sit here and, and, and criticise the referee for that. It was off the ball. It was in the middle of the field. What I am going to do is criticise the VAR, who see that and then think, oh, well, it's not clear and obvious. Yet what is clear and obvious is a handball that, 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 that even now you can slow it. That, that literally took three or four minutes they were slowing it down from every possible angle and you could barely see that it touched Kai Havertz's fingers you could see it, it sort of rolls down Matty Cash's arm it barely it. what happens given the advantage to the attacker you know and I know goals change games and, and obviously that was a big goal in what was a big game for Aston Villa but it was a big game for Arsenal as well in the title race you know these these are important decisions this is why VAR was brought in it was brought in to stop these howl of decisions you know it, there's a lot that I think every single pint, I can't think of an outlet at the moment, you know, in mainstream, you know, Sky, BBC, The Athletic, you know, you can just go on and on and on. I can't think of a single one where someone's coming out and defending VAR and saying, you know what, this is right. We have to stick with this. I think everybody is unanimous that this is sucking the enjoyment out of football, that the decisions are wrong, that the refereeing standards have got worse because the referees are hiding behind VAR and using it as a cop-out mechanism. Um, I just, I just think the officiating this season. I mean, I've watched it for thirty odd years, and obviously you've got the recency bias, but it is a, it, yeah. Look, I think Mikel's right. It is a disgrace. I think some of the decisions for the technology they've got available, I think, are a disgrace. Okay, I, I, look, so I can deal it with sounds like you're... when it was just the referee on his own. I can deal with incompetency. It is a disgrace, but, but it's the VAR. That's what I mean. When he says it's a meant disgrace, to be there to kind of you're saying, you're saying that sort of shit, right? And I don't see that happening to do with incompetence than it being to do with bias, right? Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Well, exactly. Well, they said well, it, basically the it wasn't I mean, clear. They said it wasn't the, they, they, the, the Carlos from what I understand, Kethia, because we don't hear um, what the VAR says. It's all, you know, cloak uh, and dagger. That's the thing, um, which is like a joke as well. That I don't understand why the paying punter can't hear that. What happened in the box? Yeah, the commentary team didn't Eddie hear it, but no one else can. Um, they said that there were, it wasn't clear enough. So they went with the on field decision. And the on field decision was made by the referee. And that's where you make Jared Gillett can't see. You know, he's 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 just he's just taken a punt, isn't he? And said, "What's well, a handball?" He's totally guessed. He's totally guessed. Um, but look, I am fed up of talking about VAR. I'm talking about it's fucking been. You know, it's a separate entity to itself now. We've now spent 10, 15 minutes talking about the inconsistencies of VAR. We're not talking not... about football anymore, are we? Exactly. It's yeah. not getting any better. There has to be something done. Seriously, we. We can't keep on like this. It's just ruining that the game that we all love. It's got its own TV show now, presented by friggin' Michael Owen and Howard Webb. That's <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I insane. Yeah. Analyzing referees' decisions, ref watch on Sky Sports News. What the fuck is going on here, people? Oh my god, that sounds terrible. It, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, and that shouldn't yeah. have to come after every game talking about VAR decisions. And for some reason. We seem to get the raw end of the deal. 
And I mean, it sounds like us complaining and crying, but these are genuine concerns that we're having. Yeah. And it's like we pay our money to watch this game of football and it's just being ruined. It's I'm fed up of it. Yeah. I'm fed up of VAR. It's come in. You can say it's incompetency from the, the people running it. The technology is fine and it's just being used incorrectly. Fine. Train better people. It's not the same in uh, other countries. In Italy, it's apparently run really well. In the World Cup, in the Euros, seems to be run really well. Why is it so shit in England? Why? Yeah. The handball, the handball goal disallowed and stuff like that, the one against Bournemouth, it's annoying, it's frustrating, you don't see any advantage of it, but at least it was consistent. They thought Havertz handballed it, so they disallowed it. The guy handballed it in the attack for Bournemouth, so they disallowed it. That's the yeah. rule, and they implemented mm. the rule. It's annoying, it's shit rule, it's a terrible rule, but at least it was consistent. You can't give a penalty for Crystal Palace earlier on in the day for the exact same thing. In fact, there's probably mm. more contact on Jesus than there was on Mateta in, in the first game. Both were penalties. How do you how do you give one and not the other? There's that lack of consistency. Yeah is the most irritating thing and that's why it's not being implemented correctly yeah, yeah, yeah. i think actually i think i think that's the most yeah to, i think that's basically you, it, isn't be it consistent sorry graham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. i was to, to pull you back on that sorry graham to pull, to pull you back on that with when you say about the habits handball my understanding of the rule was if the goal scorer handballs it but right, habits exactly, didn't score exactly. the goal no i think it was eddie and ketty scored the goal i think it's a handball in the attack i do you know what i don't no one knows exactly and that's the whole point no one knows what handball is anymore if i may say this i've been like this is annoying me so much that i actually went on to wikipedia and just read through the laws of the game as they currently as they currently stand in terms of offside handball blah 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 blah. dude guys guys no idea yeah, there are, there are too, there are too many there are too many variables and it's just yeah. I mean, I, just, I look. I think I think ultimate. I think ultimately, I think what you know. I think ultimately, I think you can obviously guess this by the the tone of our conversation here and what we've been saying for the last couple of minutes. We think we're screwed by VAR, right? So overall, I mean, I guess the feeling that Dan, you've said you thought we played quite well. Um, you were happy with the performance. You thought we did more than enough to win. You know, I thought that we played well. Um, we're a little bit unlucky in the game. Uh, we didn't. I don't think we did enough actually in terms to win the game. But I certainly didn't think we did enough. We did enough to lose it. Basically, uh... yeah. Graham, are you? I, I'm assuming you're aligned with those thoughts, yeah. Yeah, basically. I was also going to say, um, as Dan mentioned a little bit earlier, we spent a lot of time uh, talking about V, <laughs> and not enough time talking about football. No, and, don't get uh, me wrong. It's obviously a conversation know, that needs to yeah, be had. I'm just sick of frigging having it. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, but on, but it's good that... to have this conversation so you of know course, our feelings course. on it. Of yeah. course, this mm. is not me saying. You know, let's not talk about it. Let's definitely yeah. talk about I it. I think we'd be a miss not like, to. I think the yeah, Guna yeah. Nation out the there knows we were fucking robbed. 
yeah, yeah. no but of it course, shouldn't of be course. that shouldn't be a take like i want to you know i wanted to focus on the performance itself but yet mm. we have to talk about shitty var decisions that didn't go away again yeah. and it's just like i'm i'm sick of it man yeah I, it I always feels a little bit like you're trying to turn football into chess does that make sense? Is, that is exactly. I mean, do you, you know, know what? what I mean? Michael it's Owen, like your, your... Michael Owen made a really silly point where he was talking about throwing <laughs> an apple into a that. bin. <laughs> Michael um, Owen made a silly but, point. But no. Was it the thing about throwing an apple into a bin? No, no. But he made a point about he made a, he made a point about how individualism has kind of been coached out of football players, and that it's all about positions of play and patterns of play, and it is the chess board type thing. You you said. I think Villa's goal was like that. And you know what is really, do you know what has really sickened me? As much as the, the VAR nonsense um, and the bitter taste that you get in the game. Look, Arsenal have lost games. I've been a fan for th- over 30 years. We've lost games where we shouldn't have lost. And we've been on the wrong end of dodgy refereeing decisions. Listener, I'm sure you can think of loads. Um, it's one of the reasons why I hate the 49 chant. And listener, you will know what I mean when I say that. Um, Mike that game, Riley. That, Dan? Don't even go there. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. That, that game, that game, you know, over 10, well, nearly 20 years ago still grinds my gears. But do you know what I was going to say was that, um, was was that the other thing that really gets on my go is the kind of revisionism about Unai Emery, that he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, look, I'm speaking for myself here when I say this. I can't forget the last six months of his reign of terror. No. Um, what do you guys no. think? No, uh, yeah, look, there is no doubt that Unai Emery is a very, very, very good manager, very good coach. He has a distinguished career, career, won European trophies, league trophies in France, which doesn't really count, but we'll count it anyway. Um, but um, essentially, he was just a wrong man for Arsenal. Some may say right man, wrong time. I think that job after Arsene was a near impossible job, I think anyone could have come in and it would have been a massive problem. Um, I, But I agree. I do not like this revisionism of like, oh, well, you know, if we'd still had Emery, we might have been doing this, doing that. It's bollocks. It's absolute nonsense. Oh, no, it's totally- Tony Adams said we'd have won the league. Yeah. And, and I hate to disagree with <laughs> the greatest Mr. captain Arsenal, in Arsenal yeah. history. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, you know, I hope he doesn't hear yeah, this because... Yeah. I love that man, but mm. he's wrong, <laughs> um, which is really unfortunate to say, but it, it just is. Um, yeah. Well, look, we're, play- we're playing a completely pointless uh, Champions League game uh, tomorrow night. I don't think we've, we'd be playing that completely pointless Champions League game tomorrow night if Emery was still, was still <laughs> Arsenal manager. So... I make you right, and it wouldn't be pointless you know. either. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it would be really, it would be a really important, uh, you know, Europa League get, or even worse, Europa <laughs> Conference League game. So, yeah, which which Villa will go on and win, and it'll be the greatest European, you know, triumph. Oh, dude, since, it'll be the same with well, West Ham. since West Ham, like, yeah, West Ham. champions of Europe. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. I mean, some I remember listening to something recently. Somebody made the point of like the the, the issue with the Conference League is like it's not for you. Like, it's not meant to be for, like, you know, uh, mid-table Premier League clubs. It's meant to be for, you know, random clubs in Azerbaijan or whatever. But, uh, yeah. I think I think it was more for, like, the, the top teams in the smaller leagues. But the problem yeah. is the top teams in the smaller leagues get into the Champions League, get knocked yeah. out of that. 
and they go into the Europa League and they don't ever get the chance to go in the Conference League, do they? But um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I think yeah. Dan's right. I think I think Aston Villa probably will, will do quite well in that. I don't mm. buy all this stuff that Aston Villa are title. Oh no, no, no race. I think I think no. they'll be in the race for the top four, but mm. I don't think they're in the title race now. I yeah. think it's between us, our City and Liverpool. But this um, is the oh, Liverpool yeah, game. That Liverpool definitely. game is getting closer and closer on the horizon. I know, I know. Well, well I sound like an old man, right? But modern day football social media and stuff like that is so reactionary it's so knee-jerk to everything that happens one week you're top of the league and it's arsenal's title to lose and all of that stuff and then yeah. one result and it's like oh are arsenal full enough yeah are we going to get relegated yeah, uh, just, are we you know exactly yeah it's bollocks um but yeah um so yeah so we have psv um and then we play brighton at home. Pause. Stop. So, yeah, not to sound like an old man, right? But the problem with modern day Which football... Which you are. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, very, very old. But the problem with modern day football, social media, so much content, including a great another Arsenal podcast, wherever the weather, blah, 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 <laughs> right? All of that tagline stuff. The problem with it, it's so reactionary. That's it's whatever so... the weather. Another <laughs> yeah. Arsenal podcast. Yeah, it's Come so knee-jerk. It's so reactionary to every little thing. Last week, we were top of the league, and it's like, oh, Arsenal, they're going to go on. They're the biggest competitors for Man City. And now we've lost a game in Liverpool. Now it's Liverpool, the favourites. Villa in the mm. top three. Are they title contenders? yeah. It's ridiculous. We're not even that far, not even that long through the season. <laughs> not even halfway. Not even halfway. Exactly. It's interesting because, you know what, I watched the um, the stick to football from the overlap and um, Jamie Carragher, and that's the point where Graham starts going, boo. boo. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jamie Carragher made the point that he, he felt, when they were James. talking about oh, no, that was the Jamie title. Carragher. Yeah, <laughs> see what he did there. They spoke. <laughs> they spoke about um, who can win the title, and it's obviously it's given as a granted. It's it's taken for granted that obviously City are going to be amazing, and when Kevin De Bruyne comes back, they're just going to blow everyone away, and you know, and that may well be the case. But I couldn't believe what I was listening when they were giving credence to Aston Villa, um, and obviously his biased nature. They're giving they're giving credence to Liverpool, yeah. and with Arsenal, it's well, they're too emotional. They're too yeah, emotional. They're not yeah, playing yeah. as well as last season. They're oh too emotional. Are they actually? I haven't listened to this, but are they still on that. Yeah, it's too on emotional that, on that fucking narrative. Yeah, it's too really? emotional. Okay, um, they're not playing as well as last season. They've won certain games in the last minute. So we beat Man United and Man City, Luton Town in the last minute, and that went for us. We lost games that we should have drawn against Newcastle and Villa. Um, is is basic uh, is the underlying metric that actually maybe we're not playing as well as we were last season and we're just kind of scraping through games we're making things hard for ourselves are we really the real deal you know rather than mm. i think you could easily i think you could easily flip that and be like well that's what champions do so i, yeah. I think for my whole life i've lived I've, I've grown up with the footballing kind of narrative or story or or, or feeling that well, you know what? A sign of champions is when you win without playing well. <laughs> yeah. Except when Arsenal do it. <laughs> of course. Of course, that doesn't fit the, the narrative. Dan, are we in the title race? Mate, we are the title race. Second favourites, 
probably. But yeah, we are in a title race. Are we playing as well as last season? Probably not. Attacking-wise, didn't seem as fluid. But I feel like defensively, we've improved massively, barring the Luton game, obviously. <laughs> um, but I feel like in the past few games, we've been getting that attacking football back. I feel like against Lons, we were really good. Uh, Wolves, we were really good. Villa, we created chances. Luton, we created chances. So we're creating chances more in the past few games than we have been previously. However, as you've noticed, we are now conceding goals again. So Mikel needs to get that balance right. And once he does, I think, you know, as I said, with players coming back, get Thomas Partey in that team, Timber coming back, Tommy Cafu needs to stay fit. Um, yeah, God, who knows what that injury is going to be. It's a it calf, is. isn't it? Yeah, so we thought it was a knock. Now it's longer term. And this is the most frustrating thing with these players, right, is that it's all well and good having top quality players, but if they're on the bloody treatment table, what are we doing mm. here? You know, It's like Thomas Partey is in that Arsenal 11 week in, week out, right, if he's fit. But what what can we do, you know? So we probably need to upgrade on him. It'll probably be a summer job now, but one of those things. But I really do feel like if we can get a couple of players back, and just maintain what we're doing. We're, we're playing yeah. well enough to well, win. Well, it's good. It's games. good that you say, you talk about players coming back. So, so Smith Rowe is back in training, so we could see him playing tomorrow. He's on the plane. Against, he was he's on, on the, the plane. plane. He, was, he was pictured on the plane. He's yeah. pictured on the plane. I, so, um, I want to see Smith Rowe playing against PSV. Smith Rowe on the plane, bitches. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know if anyone's going to agree with me here, but I've kind of, kind of done. With I don't Smith agree Rowe. with you. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of done with Smith. No, Ray. do you know what I I I know why you would Danny say Danny Sam's get out of our club. <laughs> I know why you would say that, but I do. I just think the Smith. Do you know what I'm going to say? Something that's probably completely wrong, and I hope that listener you will agree with me and, and hit us up in the comments. Please hit us up on social media. But I'm going to make a mess statement right now. Emma Smith Rowe reminds me of Paul Merson so much. Yeah, same. He really does. I just think he's just off the cuff. I think he's just a talent. And I want him playing for the Arsenal. I don't want him bumming around at Aston Villa right. or Newcastle is... or West Ham or whatever. And I just think maybe maybe he's not a starter for us. I accept that. But I think he's got a role to play. Mm. I really do. And I think he gives this squad something that we don't have. I, I do. I worry sometimes. I think when we're at our very best... You know, and I think the Lons game was an example of that. When we're an attacking force, I think our front five, when they click, are a match for anyone. You know, Martinelli, Saka, Gabriel Jesus, Martin Odegaard, and either Kai Havertz or Trossard. I think that's kind of a, a plug and play situation. I think they are a match for almost anyone. But I, I can't help but think that that Emil Smithrow adds something to that balance. When when those guys aren't quite at it, yeah. I feel like Smithrow is a better option than a Fabio Vieira. Um, I was actually... You know, do you know what I mean? You I mentioned just, I was literally about to... I was actually just thinking yeah. of uh, Vieira in that, um, when in I that, say in that regard. When I say I'm done with Smithrow, that's not to say that I don't think he's a really, really good player, top quality player. But we gave him the number 10 shirt, what, two years ago? Three years ago, mm. um, he was a top goal scorer, wasn't he? A couple of seasons. Yeah, ago. yeah, yeah. 
Um, he was making a lot of cameos off the bench, grabbing important goals and stuff like that. It was really good. He hasn't kicked on. And injuries are, a injuries, massive part. Yeah, yeah. injuries are a massive part of Availability is the best ability. Exactly, right? So but then even when he gets fit, does Mikel really trust him? I think Mikel, Mikel obviously needs time to trust him and he's not been... There's not... I, I just don't know. I just don't you know. know. And I, I, I'm, mm. I really... I'm kind of at the stage. Well, you says that you do. You already kind of said that you do know because you kind of said that you've already let go. No, I mean, I, I, I don't think Mikel trusts him, and I, I'm in this. Mikel probably. I think I'm in this stage. Doesn't trust him. I think Mikel probably can't rely upon him. I mean, I'm jumping in a little bit here, and I'm doing Graham's job. Not like you. That's not like you. No, no, go ahead. I know, I know, I know. But probably something that that we kind of. um, I know we spoke about when we watched the games, but you know. You mentioned about a sellable asset and what we do, a sellable asset and what we do next. Is the big red herring that we need a centre forward? Uh, I, I mean, Dan, think... come on! I know you're on the even Tony train. Come on, it's time to profess your love. <laughs> I have been, and I was, I was on the even Tony train when he was in the championship and he finished top goal scorer. And I thought at the time because Arsenal weren't doing great at that time either. Take a punt. Take a punt. I thought we were being football snobbish and refused to look in the championship because we're Arsenal Football Club. I get it. I do. I wouldn't I wouldn't try and buy a striker from the championship now. Three years on, that's just being, <laughs> being ridiculously um, hypocr- hypocritical. Mm-hmm. But I would love Ivan Tony at Arsenal. I really would. But I don't think it's our main problem. I, I think it's great to add to the squad. And I think a centre forward would be good for something different. But I'll start an 11, I'll start an attack. Gabriel Jesus is phenomenal. And there's not many players in the league, in Europe, or in the world can do what he does. Okay. So to kind of like... I'm inclined to agree. Be devil, to, be, to be devil's advocate to you both, we're not competing with any old team. We're competing with Manchester City, the greatest, arguably one of the best club teams of all time. Um, they've got Erling Haaland, who's a 50-goal-a-season striker. Gabriel Jesus, we saw he he had a couple of half chances on Saturday against Aston Villa. He didn't take them. We've seen in the past, Eddie Nketiah, when we were against Wolves, through one-on-one, hits the post. You know, it's fine margins, admittedly. But is that going to be the difference? You know, it, it might have been the difference last season. You know, I think Erling Haaland put in a season good enough to win the, the Ballon d'Or. And I think in any other year where Messi doesn't win the World Cup, he does win the Ballon d'Or. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe that is the difference. Look, as I said, Ivan Tony in our squad would be fantastic. And it'd be good to have It doesn't have option. to be necessarily even Tony. I mean it could be we've mm. been linked with Victor Oshman. Um I think he's probably a little bit out of our price range, yeah. mind you. Yeah. But even but Tony I, seems the one. But and I see your point. You know, Eddie had a chance on on Saturday when it was crossed over and he had a, a free header essentially and it was just not very good. Um we could definitely upgrade on Eddie and Ketia. Um but as a starting eleven, I don't think we need a centre forward. It's not the priority concern for me. That's not the first I don't look at our team and go, oh we really need a striker. I, I don't think that. I mean do you think then with with that, I mean in and in I'm going to speak for Graham on this as well, because I know we've, we've spoken, obviously, away from the podcast listener about this. But if if he's not a first-choice first, cl- first choice striker, is it such a bad thing to have someone 
who came through the ranks at Hale End, who clearly loves the club in Eddie Nketiah being our backup striker. And is that not the same case for Emil Smith-Rowe? Like, for him to be our, like, our backup number 10, would you not rather Emil Smith-Rowe there than some, and I don't mean to sound xenophobic, a nondescript Spaniard who has got no connection <laughs> to the club? Who's not because <laughs> because because do you know yeah but do you know what right no but the thing so, is like, with, with the problem is Pro, like, he's come really through at Highland that's really he's funny come, he's but come no through no no like, I actually he's really, got, really I we've got the song yeah. you know there's a connect there's a connection there it's yeah. like Reese Nelson like there is and I really hope that Reese starts tomorrow against PSV yeah. um and I hope that Bakai Saka is given a rest although I'm sure that Bakai Saka will start but I really hope that he Reece didn't Nelson train starts today because, James he didn't train today. They well, let, they you know, let him have a nap because Brighton Brighton's a tough game on Sunday. But do you know what? I, mm. I just think that you know what? we've got guys like Reese Nelson, Emil Smith Rowe, and Eddie Nketiah, who I think you know, and maybe I'm overinflating them. I think they get into a lot of starting lineups in the Premier League, and I just yeah. think we're lucky to have we've got this crop of Hayland guys. They clearly love the club. You know, there's a connection with the fan base. You know, we spoke about the connection that we've, we've all got with Aaron Ramsdale and why we found it difficult to accept David Raya. And I just think these guys, you know what, this team, and I know it was spoken about a lot last The reason season. you don't like Raya is because he's Spanish, isn't it, James? Well, you know, it was spoken a lot last <laughs> season and, and Amy Lawrence spoke about it a lot last season. She spoke about the comparisons between the, the, the early George Graham era and the 89 team mm. and how it was built on guys like Paul Merson and... Um, David Rocky Rowcastle and, and Paul Davis and Tony Adams and guys like that who came through the youth ranks. And I just think, do you know what? You don't get these youth players that often. You know, we went th- we that's went twenty true, years basically true. with our two youth players that came through was Ashley Cole, boo, Ooh. and Jack Wilshire, who unfortunately you know, got got a bit injury prone. <laughs> and I just think while we've got these guys, let's just, you know, I just think they're ready to give it all for the Arsenal. And I just yeah. think that that. It just means more. It does. I, I just think we've got, you know, I look at our, our next five league games. Um, obviously, after we've got PSV, we've got Brighton at home, Liverpool away, which is an absolutely huge game on the 23rd. Then we're at West Ham, when we've got West Ham at home, followed by Fulham at home, and then we go to Liverpool in the FA Cup. We've got Liverpool at home in the FA Cup. But yep. you, you look at that league-wise, Brighton, Liverpool, West Ham, Fulham, We've got to come through that with with a decent points return, right? I think it, yeah, that the yeah the the midweek game is nothing. Let's have it right. It is nothing. It means nothing. Sunday is the important one. Rest those players because yeah. there, there is no point in playing a, any type of strength team. I want to see Ethan Nwari. I want to see Miles Skelly. I want to see them all. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Because but there is Dan, nothing. You're to gonna gain. have to accept the fact that you won't because it's Mikel and I you'll know, I know, play I know. like you know. Do you know what I like the fact though that he doesn't throw games away? Like, yeah, you know, I'll see. I, I, not... It's like in a weird way, I wonder I do wonder, does Mikel think, do you know what? There's a few fa- there's a few thousand fans here that have paid like mm. 70 quid for a ticket. They've paid like five hundred quid. The hotel, and, here, and yeah, host- yeah. yeah, exactly. You know what? They don't want to watch us lose flipping, yeah, or nil to PSV. I yeah. think he likes give it to some. find a balance. He likes to find a balance mm. where he rotates some and then still plays some sort of strength players. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, mean, I think there are some players that you can guarantee will start that game. 
as as you said earlier, like Ramsdale might start that game. Jorginho is that good? Is that a good will. thing though? Is that a good thing? Right. So say Saliba doesn't play, and we play Kivior and Ben White. Mm. Uh, so a uh, Ramsdale behind a makeshift defense. Say, is that going to be any good for his confidence? As a great man once said. You don't take the Rolls Royce out on the dirt roads. <laughs> <laughs> exactly um, that, right? I don't quite oh think this God, is a game. I don't. I don't know if this is a game for Cedric. I, do you know what? I tell you what. I would love to see. Right. And without, I never I mentioned I Cedric. Think, by the no way. one mentioned Cedric. James. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't think. I didn't think we'd go down. Listener, I didn't think we'd go down this route of discussing what our potential lineup. That's would the title be. of the podcast, isn't um, it? No one mentioned Cedric. Yeah. But do you know what? I think to Graham. Graham said it earlier on. Aaron Ramsdale has to start, yep. right? The guy got us to the Champions League. He hasn't played a Champions League game mm. yet. Aaron Ramsdale has to start. That's my first pick. Um, Jacob Kiwior has to start. I don't know where he starts, but he has to start. Wait, wait, James, um, are you actually doing your... Are you yeah, doing I'm going your, for it. Are you doing it. your squad? Jorginho, Jorginho has to start. Okay. Mohamed Elneny has to start. Reese Nelson has to start. Eddie Nketiah has to start. That Those... Was that five, six players I've mentioned there? Six. Six. Okay. That that is the core of your team, and you build around that. With with we, you, you you assess that with who's fit. Um, mm. If Emil Smith Rowe is fit enough to start, then I think you give him a start. hundred oh, percent. Um, I don't. The two players that I don't want to see play, mm. to be honest with, well, actually, there's three. I don't want to see Gabriel Jesus play because he's just come back from a knee injury, and you mm. know what? Let's give him a bit of rest. I don't think it's a game for Bakaya Saka. And I would like to see Declan Rice rested, but other than that, I mean, even Saliba, I don't, I don't, I don't mind. I think if he plays, I think he's, I think the defend, the defenders, I think when they get in a role, they get in a role. Yeah. Um, but I'm, yeah, obviously in an ideal world, yeah, you, Saliba, Gabriel, um, Saka, Declan Rice, they don't need to play this game. Before before we end, before we end, I just want to make it clear. Mm. I feel like I've been quite negative today, and um. I don't know why. I think it was because James was so positive. It kind of threw me off, and I kind yeah. of, uh, you know, went into a mindset. Well, I just, I just think, you know what? As <laughs> I said, I, I keep going back that Carragher stuff about us on on a knife edge. It, it kind of has really played in my mind because I think I kind of flip flop. I mean, one hand, I think you know what we've been really lucky to win games, and we're not, we're clearly not playing as well as and free flowing football as we were last season and you know the atmosphere is probably not as good in the Emirates and the weight of expectation and we've spent 100 million pounds of Declan Rice and blah blah and then the other part of me just thinks you know what fuck off you scouse twat you're biased you're absolutely biased we are the Arsenal it's in our DNA nobody likes us you know I think the old George Graham stuff and I think you know what let's just double down I think you know what we are actually we're ticking we're ticking along nicely we're top. We were top of the league. We're top of the Champions League group. You know what? No one can burst our bubble. I'd go as far as to say, you know what? Mikel knows. Mikel knows. I believe so. I reckon he believe knows. So. We need to wrap it up, probably. Yeah, I think I think he does. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. 